Welcome back to the Why Hockey Periodical Podcast, the first of a new era. We're officially out of the Roberto Luongo, Florida Panthers era, and now officially into the Spencer Knight slash Sergei Bobrovsky era, possibly, to be determined. We'll, we'll be discussing that. We'll be discussing the draft. We'll be discussing RFA tenders, free agency, trades, scuttlebutt, all that good stuff. Matthew Lichtenstadter is with me today. How are you doing, bud? Did you enjoy our like four or five podcasts in the last week? Because you did a draft preview with Trev, which was very good, obviously, and then nothing of what you said happened. You went on point to point, talked about the yeah. draft. You did a draft recap with Matt O'Brien, which was great. Uh, another Y Hockey <laughs> two-hour special. I love those. And then- yeah, the, I got to tell you, we had uh, three hours of audio. To, that we cut. I down. love that. So, I, was, I love that. I love this show yeah. so much. It's one of my favorite things to do. And then it was, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't a quality material, but it was. You know, it it was what it was. It was a weird draft. The one, like you said, I didn't get too too much right, and I got. But what I did get right was European defenders uh, going early uh, and going more often than indicated. Uh, by others and also goalies now i didn't get the spencer knight thing right obviously i thought you'd go maybe like nine, 16 to 19 or something like that but you know what can you do you're not always going to be right and trust me in some cases you were more right than the other people so give yourself that and we'll if you want to listen to if you want to listen to the spencer knight show Catherine silverman got a good hour talking about spencer knight and a lot of different aspects of his development and where it's going to be Playing at Boston College next year, there's like five Panthers prospects on Boston College, which didn't realize when I was recording that show, but then I realized after I was recording that show that there's like five of them. So we're all going to be watching a lot of BC next year. So if you want to listen to that, that's an Evergreen podcast. This is going to be the final one before free agency really starts. And hopefully by the next time we do a show, we'll have free agency to talk about. We'll have uh, two new Russians to introduce. Lord willing. Uh, But we have to talk about Roberto Luongo because recording this literally like 30 minutes after his announcement that he's retiring. Uh, there's a lot of different layers to this. I think we need to start with the layer of the most imminent hockey-related concern, which is LTIR versus cap recapture. It is the most inside hockey thing ever, but we thought that he was going to go to Robida Island for three years. and if, they were, if they wanted to spend to the cap, that, that would probably be the play, yes. I think... It's not quite as cut and dry as that because I know that there are penalties for LTIR if you go over them with bonuses and other things that make it somewhat punitive. I don't know exactly how it works. I'm not going to pretend to say that I know. I'm pretty sure that Cat Friendly will have all of the answers for you on the differences between putting him on LTIR and the differences in retiring. It is a cap penalty of a million nine four, so very, very minor for the Panthers. It's about three million for the Canucks. It's a lot worse for them. Uh, my funny reaction to that is it might take them away from signing that horrible Tyrell Myers contract, which is unfortunate because I want the Canucks to do that, not the Panthers, obviously. But it does obviously hurt the Panthers a little bit. I'm surprised it wasn't LTIR, but then again, I said repeatedly that Roberto Luongo is going to do whatever he wants and the team's going to say, yes, Roberto, and that was going to be the end of that. Uh, he obviously wasn't great last year. It looked very clear like he was probably done. He had that one great run at the end of 17-18. He's been done. He's been done for for a little bit now. Well, uh, it's, I think they've just been 
His last hurrah was the 17-18 crazy stretch where he played out of his mind to get the Panthers nearly in the playoffs. It was the only reason why they got close, as it ended up being proven last year, uh, because they were so terrible and they couldn't stop a puck. So, I mean, in terms of Roberto Luongo, I think, obviously, in many minds of Florida Panthers fans, he's Teflon. Maybe not necessarily to you. Well, I mean, there's it's not that he's no one's really Teflon except Barkov, but uh, this is true. Like he's Luongo's great. He's great in the community and everything, but you know, he's never won a playoff series for Florida. He's I will, you know I will say this. He's he could have. He, he had the chance. There's the been worse goalies than him that have won that have stolen playoff series uh before um so and it's not like nice. he went up against and it's not like he went up against you know the devils and the islanders aren't any you know stalwart offensive teams or anything like that well he went um, for that devil series but the islander series we know what happened and why it happened i don't think we need to relitigate that i mean he's gonna obviously i think more be remembered probably as a canuck that's fair because his prime and his best years were in vancouver but if you're talking about a player that means more to the florida panthers I can't think of really any other other than Luongo. Right. But, like, just because he means more doesn't mean that there's, like, the problem with the Florida fan base is, like, they're just, they're so, it's more of a family than, like, a a hockey fan base. So, like, anytime you really critique someone they like on hockey standards, it's kind of, they still get a little up in arms about it. But, you know, there's a reason Florida hasn't had any goalie development in years, and it's Roberto Luongo. There's a reason Talis, Rob Talis is still here, and it's Roberto Luongo. And, you know, we should have been moved on from Luongo a while uh, a while from now and you know there was a reason that they had to get a James Reimer type of goalie because Longo doesn't do too well with any type of goalies that are competitive to the fact that they you know it's you know Montembeau is probably getting it's, it's probably making the situation too uncomfortable and that's why he's really not having too much trouble walking away um, well, you know it's 40. right but yeah I mean there's a lot going into it there's, you know, the drop in pay this year that corresponds. You know, there's just a lot to look at, and you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to demean him. He's the second best goalie to not win the cup of all time behind Henrik Lundqvist. But, you know, there's, it's, I'm kind of getting feelings of finally, you know, I'm ready to move on. I've been ready to move on from the long. Bobsky rumors that started in February right. showed everyone that the Panthers were ready to move on. Uh, right. Here's here's my Luongo thing. When he was traded back to the Panthers in February 2014, it came a day after Michael Yormark left the organization, and it was the first sign to all of us that the Panthers weren't going to be the old Panthers anymore. Now it turns out that the new wasn't necessarily as good as good in air quotes, but it wasn't necessarily going to be better than the old. But it was a sign that something was changing because under old ownership and under old management, that would never have happened. So the reacquiring of Luongo was a big deal, and it gave the Panthers credibility, right? And it at least allowed for a very brief moment of time when the stars aligned and Haley's Comet flew over and, you know, everything was in alignment. It meant that the Panthers could be good, and that 15-16 season was still fun. And that was Luongo at his best. And that allowed the Panthers to be able to attain credibility again. And not only that, it allowed them to win. Now, that season was, as it turned out, a fluke because everybody else was bad and they were good. 
but okay but like you know not to like you can just wax poetic and just about how like oh they were just so close to being like an actual competitive team and you know maybe doing something but like florida's had three if they get bobrovsky i think three uh vesna winners uh that played for them not none being roberto luongo this is true this is true but, I mean, actually, I mean, they had Jose Theodore, one of Vesna, Tim Thomas, one of Vesna, Bobrovsky's one of Vesna, Van Beesbrook, one of Vesna. They've all played for Florida. Yep. Yeah, or, you know, but if we're, if we're, if we're, I don't mean to say Bobrovsky minute. has played for Florida. He, he, he hopefully will. We hope he plays yeah. for Florida. Uh, do you remember when Tim Just, Thomas played for the Panthers for a hot second? Mm-hmm. That was a weird thing. He was awful, and I hated that. But, you know, I mean, like, I, I love Luongo, you know. To to a point, but to the, as a person, I think I I know I have a feeling I'm going to get pretty nauseous of, about the um, retirement. Center. How much how much milk they're going to uh you know squeeze out of the stone uh, for yes. the next 24, 24 months? I bet they can get you know two years out of this because they'll probably. They won't. They won't retire his number until next season. Not this one coming unless up. Unless they, unless they do it when they play Vancouver in January, which I guess is possible. But they're going to retire his number at some point. He's going to work for the Panthers. I don't know in what capacity. I am still 100% on the team. Get him on the broadcast on TV immediately. Train. Have him sit with Craig Minervini. Maybe one day he replaces Potvan. That would be spectacular. The more Roberto Luongo, public face of the Florida Panthers, the better. That's what yeah, the and Panthers need. To get to that other, you know, that other layer, you know, this is many layers, is why it's the retirement. It's because, one, Luongo probably didn't want to have to put on the pads, you know, attempt to go through training camp, then pull out, then, you know, do all the medical tests and all that stuff. He probably just wanted to cut and dry, whatever. Um, so he could, you know, have a little dignity and go into the next phase of his life without, you know... It was easy for Prong, you know, Pronger is more of a guy who doesn't seem to really care what people think of him, and he doesn't mind, you know, working for the NHL at the same time as being, you know, a member of the Arizona Coyotes. That doesn't really, you know, he can deal with that. He can deal with people talking about that. But I think Luongo is very, um, he cares more what people think about him, you know, the way he has like a very curated social presence uh and the way he's very thoughtful uh and mindful with you know how he speaks when he speaks publicly and and what he's you know what he does publicly so i think you know the retirement from that angle makes more sense and you know i i think you know just from a staunchly hockey perspective um the only real reasons to do the retirement and stuff is uh you know kind of more personal and uh more beneficial if you don't reach the cap ceiling Uh, and and a more just like if your cap if your actual books are going to be lower uh i think it's more beneficial to to do this and uh, right now their cap spend and their salary spend are for all intents and purposes identical this is just the players on the books as we speak no rfas no nothing their cap spend, like the Coyotes have $78 million in cap hit, but they're spending $67 million in actual money. 
The Panthers are identical at this point. It would have been a little bit different with Luongo. Right. There are, as but, we said, there are punitive things for LTIR. I mean, we, we can't really get into like the tax knowledge, like how much they're spending and all that stuff, because it's a fluid situation at least until October, November. So, like, but you know, every year we get into this song of dance of like all this, and then you know, the number that starts the season is always a lot, lot bigger than the number that ends the season. Um, you know. And it's just, you know, how they play. They, they just do very... They have interesting books. More complicated. Yeah, it's not as straightforward. So, you know, there's there's probably some stupid, you know, carry the one type accounting that they're doing with the books or something about the day-to-day cap hit or something. Or they have some... They're feigning some sort of flexibility. Or, I don't know. But I would have just kept it going you know i don't know why he had to say he's retiring now i would have you know waited to see you know how the payroll shakes out because give us keep yourself give yourself options but it's luongo like every fan's gonna say in response to this they're gonna call me crazy shut the hell up it's Luongo. he can do what he wants and that's exactly what you know the management probably said so when luongo said i'm just gonna retire let's just you know make it official sign it everything now uh, and you know make a clean break i'm sure no one said anything but okay and you're probably right about that now as i said there are differences in retiring versus ltir ltir is complicated it is not as simple as your cap ceilings raised x amount of dollars there are penalties for it as i said please go to cap friendly someone yeah if you use it and it's yeah and it has to and you know has implications at the trade deadline about like what cap hits you can possibly take back and uh, i don't know if that applies to it definitely would have applied to luongo considering the situation so i definitely don't want to say that my my feelings are you know any my opinions is anything other than a feeling feeling i don't know the cba well enough to to say that they're right or wrong so i can say that i did see from bob mckenzie that the panthers actually somewhat preferred the recapture as opposed to uh, i i i was gonna say I, I can't wait for you know florida to get ahead of this and just say we actually prefer this because of this this and that and well, i'm sure you know they're saying really that because the real reason implications for this the, as much well, as we're cynics i think there are legitimate cap implications that make more sense but I think that that's for another time in many ways because we should focus on Luongo himself. And listen, I'm going to forgive Roberto Luongo for a lot of the sins of the team around him because there was one season, of course, at the Panthers where he stopped literally every single thing he possibly could and the Panthers were still a tire fire. And listen, he's, he tried to drag the Panthers kicking and screaming to respectability, but there's only so much you can do when you play for a rotten organization. So I will give Luongo as much benefit of the doubt as I possibly can. He's wanted to be a Panther he wanted to be a part of the community. What he did after the Stoneman Douglas thing was is amazing. And that's something that I think a lot of us are never going to forget. And he's a huge part of the team going forward. And I want to see what that part is. I want him to be as part of a front-facing organization as he possibly can because, in many ways, you could argue cynical. He's a meat shield for deflection of criticism for the Panthers. But, you know, he's Roberto Luongo. He's somebody who wanted to be a part of a team that nobody else really wants to be a part of. And you have to give him all the credit in the world for that, all the credit for being able to figure out a way to work around some of the things that happened in his career. The end in Vancouver was really brutal. Uh, And the fact that he ended up coming back to Florida and ended up coming back to a team that started to change its direction 
is something that I think Panthers fans will, will forgive him for not winning a playoff series. And it's a shame that he never won a cup. He deserved to. As you said, right now, he's probably the second best goalie in the history of the league to not win one. And yep. hopefully it goes, you know, hopefully maybe in some ways it goes lower down the longer we go into history. But it was a move that we thought was going to come. I thought there was no way Luongo was going to play next year. It was either LTI or retirement. Maybe a little bit surprised at retirement because of the cap implications, but there obviously is not as cut and dry this. So the, the hit itself is 1.094128, according to Cap Friendly. If I go over and look at the Vancouver Canucks page right now, the hit is 3.033206. So yeah, and we should we should note that there's two numbers that are going around. There's... Um, I don't know if it's Travis Yost or somebody or James Myrtle or somebody from like 2014 wrote an article and had like a little Excel table broken down by the years where the cap hit like changes over the years. That's old. That's outdated. The NHL and the NHLPA or something modified certain payoffs or whatever and updated the calculations. And Frank Saravalli for TSN has the right ones so it's just going to be the same cap hit or the same cap penalty for all three seasons so it's like like you said like 3.3 something for vancouver 1.09 for florida yeah yeah for florida it is punitive but not terrible it's obviously more punitive for the canucks because they signed the contract though apparently yeah i mean the the big issue is for florida is it's like you know the cap was supposed to be 83 million it's now 81.5 so that's a 1.5 million plus this other million it's really you know like it is you know two and a half million that is something off now and so i can say this they are now below the floor they've got 23.914 million in cap space we don't know what's going to happen with reimer but he's not going to be back it's just a matter of where he goes now, and I would be, case I would scenario, be surprised if Pisk lasted long on the team if he was here to start the year yeah. because he's the type of guy, right-handed defenseman, uh, where you know Florida could use Tyler him, Myers but they can also be... basically. How about yeah. the trade you Mark Pesic, which is something that I've, I'm still up for a Mark Pesic for Jesse Puliyarvi trade. I don't know why the Panthers aren't going hog after that because. Well, there might be cap things that have to be worked out with the Oilers. The Oilers need a D like Pesic, and I want Jesse Puliyarvi on the Panthers because the Panthers could actually resuscitate his career because you put him with Barkoff and magic things will happen. So the other question, of course, is, is Hoffman, but that can be gotten into if the Panthers actually sign Panarin. Uh, for Reimer, exactly. I, I don't know what's going to happen. There's talk that they don't want to do a buyout. I think the more likely thing that happens is they trade him somewhere. They retain half the salary for two years which would mean about like nearly over $3 million in dead money on their cap, which is unfortunate, but bad management. They have five hundred sixty-two yeah. and, and a half. And that's thousand. the thing that's not really being talked about is how how bad this this Reimer contract. While we're you know it's kind of, we're talk definitely put talking about Reimer out of the side of the mouth when they're when they're talking about him because they don't really want to talk about the obvious. But I think what's good to remember with Reimer is there's two buyout periods. Um, and the first one ends, what's it, June thirtieth, I think. June thirtieth. Uh, and so you may see him go through there, but if not, that means they think they have a decent chance to trade him before the second one window opens up. Um, I'm not sure if there's a difference in how the buyout I don't think penalties so. are um, presented. 
uh, with the different buyout periods. I don't know if it's, you know, different percentage sticks or, 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 you know, whether you have to actually pay more real money or not, but, um, we'll see how it goes. I'm not really worried about it because at the end of the day, I think it's the writings on the wall that Reimer is just not going to be, he's not going to be back. dressing for the Panthers next year. He'll There's be a 0% on Robert Island. He'll be, you know, the second or third goal in the AHL. He'll be traded, bought out. He'll be something. Yeah. He's not going to be back. Well, this also means perhaps that Sam Montembeau is the backup next year. If all goes right and they sign Bobrovsky. Certainly looking like that's the thing that's going to happen. If you heard a little bit of what we talked about, uh, Kat and I talked about Sam Monbo, and he, she had a good point about how the queue is basically the Wild West and talked about some of the coaching things that happened in the, in the Wild West of the QMJHL and why he needed probably a little bit more AHL time, and she was talking about how he might go up and down. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's legit the NHL backup this year behind whoever they sign, Lord William Bobrovsky. You think that? Because I'm thinking now that Luongo's retired and they're going to move on from Reimer, that that's basically the only solution. It's a good it's a good question. I could honestly see either. I would say put him up. Um, I think you will have the opportunity to get a goalie you know, there's enough goalies floating around who have some sort of promise that if you, you know, think you have uh, a system or a team around them or, uh, like, what was it? Tampa just lost Ingram for, like, yeah. nothing for for Nashville. There's, there's always those types of situations, and there's always one or two of those goalies that go between August and October through waivers, through something. And I think you can always, whether that's going to be your backup or whatever, you can always just make that adjustment. But Montembeau needs some confidence, some faith placed in him, and he needs the experience. Uh, I, I don't think he's shown anything other than a need to adjust to NHL speed and doing that as a backup, especially if you have Bobrovsky, who's you know more than capable um, you know, you can kind of bring them along. Now, you're thinking you start the year off back to back against Tampa. Well, it's um, it's, it's it's ones on the road. It's not a back to back, but it's the first right. two games. But, against the yeah, line. but you're thinking, you know, are you going to have to, um, you know, that that season's going to start out pretty pretty quick. And let's um, just say that with the schedule, which we will get into in a second, nine of their first thirteen are on the road. That's a Panther special if I've ever seen one. Right. I, I, I love how the Panthers seem to prefer a, a pretty bad schedule. Um, but they, they we'll see how it works out. There's a lot of Thursday, there's a lot of Thursday five dollar beer nights and there's a lot of Saturday Saturday games. Which um, they like because they're so yeah, hopefully they're it's a money making schedule for them because that's oh, what matters oh, most. So here's this. 18 of their 26 games between November and December are at home. They have a nine-game homestand in the middle of that. Their longest road trip of the year in that stretch is three games. Their longest road trip period is five games. It's, if and that's they, Snowbird. If Snowbird. They, yes. If they territory. get a good, a decent-ish start to this season, their early tests, they play some really good teams early. They go on the Western Canadian road swing in October this year. That's usually been a January thing. Uh, but if they get through October relatively unscathed, 
they've actually been a pretty decent team at home the last couple of years. You got 18 to 26 at home. If they can clear that runway with a little bit of space, then if this team's as good as we think it could be, and we will see who they end up getting, then they have a chance to really make some hay. Because 18 to 26 at home is insane. I've never seen a stretch like that in the NHL. The other steps I look for is when's the, the California road trip. That's in February around the trade deadline. They actually have a five-game road trip to California, Vegas, and Arizona around the trade deadline. That's the longest road trip of the year. There aren't any other crazy road trips. Last year, they had a few that kind of were ridiculous. This year, they don't have many. Um, they have, the obviously, uh, the tradition of the Canadians playing at home uh, around the new year. That's happened. The other home game that year is Detroit. So, we will see. How that schedule ends up playing out. They end the season at home as they always do. They actually have more March home games than they usually do, which is not a bad thing. Uh, it is a very funny schedule. If you saw what our friend Micah McCurdy, who was on this podcast a little bit ago, uh, he had a great graphic that he posted where the tired rested games, where you're going to be playing against teams that are having more rest or less rest. The Panthers have the second worst in that department. They have 11 games against a team that's rested while they're tired and five against teams that are tired while they're rested. The losers of that sweepstakes are the Flyers, by the way. Although last year the Panthers led the league in back-to-backs. I think they only have 12 this year, so it's not anywhere near the most back-to-backs, which is nice. I think some of that also came last year with the fact that they played in Europe. They don't have to play in Europe anymore, at least this year. So that's at least a little bit of a break for them. So the schedule is interesting. Uh, we will see how it plays out. The other schedule notes that I think I always look for, when is the Panthers going to go play in Chicago? That's a Tuesday night in January. It's actually the last game before the All-Star break when Joel Quenville returns to Chicago. I think they go to Columbus in November. So if Panarin and Bobrovsky are signed, keep your eyes out on that. Uh, it's a very Panther schedule. It, it, it looks like Panther schedules do. Uh, but as I said, difficult October with 9 out of 13 on the road, but then you get 18 to 26 at home. That's where, again, we always talk about a fast start. It's difficult to start like that on the road, but, you know, team bonding and whatnot. But then you get 18 to 26 at home. And for all the screw-ups the Panthers have had recently, as I said, they've actually been a pretty good home team in recent years. They've played pretty well at the BB&T Center, which I've always wanted them to because they have a distinct advantage that no other team has with the ice. So hopefully that continues into the 2019-20 schedule. Uh, should we now get into some other things? Draft, prospects, dev camp, things of that nature. Sure. Okay, so let's quickly talk about the draft. I listened to what you said, but I wanted to make my statement on the draft and get your opinions briefly on it. It was such a weird draft to the Panthers because of the fact that they took no players based in Europe, which is weird because they normally take at least one. Uh, I made my point clear about Spencer Knight. I wasn't happy with the decision of where they took him. I thought they probably could have traded back and gotten him and or maybe – gotten somebody later in the first round that wasn't him the guy that Carolina took I think you mentioned that you pretty that you liked him a little bit yes if I remember correctly the guy who Carolina took in the first round no 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 second round the goalie oh yes yeah Piotr or yes I'm terrible with names so Piotr I think is is how it's pronounced but I think that better you than me well I mean I'm used to having to pronounce names for people and my professional line of work and the fact that my last name is 14 letters long and very German so happens uh so as I said I think they could have traded back acquired more assets I know you're a big fan of Billy Hainola it, it was obviously clear that the Coyotes traded up to take Soderstrom who I believe the Panthers would have taken 
and who the Panthers apparently were trying to trade up and possibly it was Vancouver at 10 because if Pod Colson wasn't there at 10, Vancouver had a deal to move back a few spots apparently. So it's possible that, you know, not only did they Panthers want Soderstrom, they wanted him enough to try to move up and get him before, you know, um, 13. Yeah. And so it's unfortunate because I know you would have been really happy with Soderstrom. More happy than Knight, I guess. Right. And, well, more confident that the pick would turn out to be used used in a way that would help the NHL roster down the line the best. I think that the Knight thing is interesting. <laughs> to, to politely walk around it. Because I, I don't, you know, Knight was, Knight was the lead was the last option that I was fine with that that at 13 is understandable yes. I guess well they didn't take Cam York the Flyers did that so yeah so I didn't really get out of that no you didn't get out of it but when we talk about Spencer here's the thing with Knight as 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 Catherine brought up and I think it's fair to say I wondered like oh you're gonna have this goalie of the future you signed you know and you drafted in the first round but as she's talking about, teams are a lot more now going for the even splits of goaltending. So down the line when Knight plays and we're thinking maybe three years, I'm thinking two years in BC and then one year in the AHL probably. Seems I, reasonable? I think I'd, I would flip that. I'd go – I mean, I, I know players don't like riding the bus in the AHL, but, um, you know, I think there's – if he's really the goalie of the future and if he's really as good as he says he is – um, the only reason he should be spending any time in the NCA next year is because he didn't spend it this year when he probably should have. If you know, um, he sh- he should have been in in a better league than the USHL and, and on that development team. Honestly, for his development wise, it's probably not going to hurt him. And everyone loves him because he's so mature and and he works really hard and he's um, you know very mindful about how he works and and what drills he does and and all of that. He's kind of got a goalie coach mentality about that about him that way um, and everything. And that's that's great. Um, but I don't. I hope he crushes it in the NCA enough that it's a no brainer to pull him up into the AHL the next year. Um, cause I think, you know, to, to be worth the top 15 pick, uh, you that know, you got a thing with that. And I tried to ask it as delicately as I could because we haven't seen it in nine years. You're taking a goalie in a lottery. You expect different things than if you drafted, say, Chotchkatov in the top half of the second round, the expectations right. are vastly different. And, right, and and you know it, how much it's a lot easier for a defenseman at thirteen to live up to expectations, whether it was going to be Hanola or Harley or York or whoever it would have been um, at thirteen. Even you know it would have been a lot easier for them to live up and and to meet expectations. But you know, like me and O'Brien were saying at the tail end of our podcast to the people who got to you know two hours and fifteen minutes uh, of that podcast was, you know, for him to really live up to the 13th overall pick, he's got to be like Kippersoff, Flurry, Luongo, good. Um, you know, maybe not Carey Price, good. Maybe not, you know, um, Marty Brodeur, Patrick Waugh, good. You know, but, you know. He has to be a top starter in the league. Yeah, like he's got to be top 10 starter in the league for the majority of his prime, you know, pretty consistently. He's got to be, you know... A, uh, he he doesn't have to be a Hall of Famer. We're not saying that, but 
he's got to be like those those big name goalies he's got yeah he's well yeah he's got to be a household name if through his prime and one of the best goalies in his prime and that's hard to do because there's only so many of them it's a lot easier to be a top four defenseman where you know there's over 120 it's also a lot easier to develop goalies now by taking flyers you know, because yeah. I think they did the math. It's the last 10 goalies. Not the right. last 10 goalies, but the last 10 years. Since Flurry, nobody who's won the Cup was drafted in the first round. Right. And so, I, I'm not trying to knock Knight. I see Knight as comparable to Carter Hart. And I'm pretty pumped the Flyers have Carter Hart. So, But Carter Hart was a second-round draft pick. Yeah, it's a little and, bit different when you're a second-round pick as opposed to a lottery pick. Yeah, I think and I, I don't okay. really uh, – and I can't really – I that's one thing I'm trying to get, and I haven't been able to have anyone tell me the difference. And I think it's mainly just the team they played on. Um, was like, what's the difference between Carter Hart through his draft year and Spencer Knight through his draft year? I wish I had asked that question. Um, because, you know, they're they're both considered very mature, very smart, very poised, very put together. They're both roughly the same, you know, size. They somewhat play the same way. They have, you know, all the skill sets. They can play the puck. They can, you know, do all of that. Um, and Carter Hart had ridiculous record-breaking numbers in the WHL and everything. That's kind of a, a little bit of a harder league, I would say. Uh, and I know a lot of people who would agree with me that, you know, the CHL is a, is a notch above the USHL. And not only that, he wasn't playing on an all-star team. He wasn't getting just 20 shots a night. He was getting uh, a, a little bit more than that. And, um, you know, so there's so there's that difference there. And, you know we might not be able to see that from our position. That might be something um, that Florida scouts and other team scouts, I mean, there's a lot of talk that Minnesota at 12 was going to take Knight. Um, and I, I don't know how far-fetched that was. Um, no, and I think, you know, there's a lot of teams that... very poorly. It's probably not that far-fetched at all. <laughs> right. But, like, I think that, you know looking around teams are thinking that if i can get a good young goalie that it's worth more the gamble now because i think the tides are turning a little more um with how high-end athletic these goalies are because just be sweden finland uh and russia would have their best athletes be goalies and in america and canada it wouldn't necessarily the best players didn't want to be goalies um and now with you know the way the positions changing um, and We're and a lot of smarter just different about goalies with taking care yeah. of their bodies and workload and rest and drills and things of this nature right it's, it's and a much you know more it's of a science than it used to be and it, and it's more of an attractive position now especially in North America it's you know it's you refuse you know it's a very lonely position it's a very expensive position to play. Um, so there has to be more of an attraction. There has to be more of that quote unquote sex appeal to the position. And I think when you go through the kids who live through the Bredore wall battles all the way till now, um, are now the big time goalies in the NHL and they're spurning more and more, you know, that's kind of just kind of, I think, you know, just kind of as defensemen are getting more offensive and more athletic goalies are getting more, 
Um, to be like defensemen. Right. Yeah. You know, Luongo was, was a captain for a bit. Carey Price is make, signing big contracts and, and, you know, being considered MVP and of the league. Jordan Bennington did. And I mean, that's not right. like it's a different kind of growth for a goalie, but it, it, yeah. it's and when, more. And when you have an impact on the game and when you're on as a goalie, you have more impact than anybody There's else no can. no sport like, and, like hockey where one player can change a game so dramatically in every other sport, you can have it in fits and spurts, but in a in the NHL, you can have goalies take weeks on end where they just deny everything, and doesn't matter how good you are elsewhere. Like there's no other sport like that, and that is that's an attractive position because you'll get a lot of headlines and you'll get a lot of money for it. But there's another question I wanted to ask you, Tommy, and it and it comes to this: How different would the pick be? Let's say if the Panthers traded back to draft them, if they had drafted them in more of the back end of the range we thought they were drafting him in like 19 ish i don't know if he would have made it further than that how different would have been the perception and the expectations if the panthers traded back and still gotten them well i mean there would have been an extra draft pick on the day um which would have just helped improve the overall grade and value and and the but feelings but not not for me not really because um the issue was you're not getting that defenseman. Uh, and I would have been fine with Knight at 13 if they if I felt they picked up the type of defenseman they needed to. I think Kalia K- Chana is hold on, hold a on. good— We're going to get this. We're going to get this. Yeah. I think it. he's Belarusian. That's yeah. great. Kali... Vladislav Kalia Chanak. Kolya Chanak, yeah. Yes. I just have to really say it slow. If I, you know, if I try to run through it, especially when I'm not looking at the name, um, yeah, he's. I had him kind of, you know, in the 60s, so he didn't really go, you know, off board. But there, I had defensemen ranked higher than him that were still available. So I feel like you didn't have to pick defensemen that, you know, should be going 52 to 62. Um, you should be able to pick some defenseman who should have gone higher. Um, and I, I don't think he has, or, you know, I'm not sure he has that first pair potential. The one thing going for him he does have is he plays first pairing minutes a ton. And, you know, he plays a ton of minutes in play. He plays a ton of minutes for Belarus because they don't really have much else. Um, and so he'll get that type of usage in his development and not having, you know, there's only two other defensemen who even compare to him in the Panther system, and that's Gildan and Kanunin. Um, it, does he now instantly become the most promising defenseman for the Panthers in terms of prospects? It seems like he might be. Cause there's yeah, I mean, I think it's a 1A, 1B with Kanunin just because Kanunin's a little older. I think he's a little safer. But the fact is the seventh-round pick in 2018 is the second-best or maybe first-best prospect defensively for the Panthers in the system is a problem. It was the first time they drafted a D outside of Ekblad in the first two rounds since Ian McCaution. It was starting to show. And once they took Knight, I knew they were going to go D. I just didn't know, you know, where the, that they would go. Uh, Apparently, I mean, there are some guys out on Twitter, I favorited some tweets so I could bring them up on the podcast uh, from some of the accounts. I was looking all day Saturday to kind of find accounts like that to get those ideas. Uh, OHL prospects, Brock Otten. I don't know if you follow him, but he seems to have a yeah. pretty good uh, following just for drafting guys for the OHL. The Panthers are getting an elite mover 
explosive first few steps from the back end, offensive skill set continues to prove he's also one of the hardest workers in this year's draft. Now, I haven't seen him play, so I have no idea whether puck mover means puck rusher, but as we've determined, they are very different things. I don't think so based on the fact that his offensive game isn't necessarily there. I think he's actually legit like a puck moving defenseman, which is good because the Panthers need that. I don't know what he could necessarily develop into, but it seems like there's something promising in that defenseman that I, I obviously someone likes something. So yeah, there's, you know, he was a little, I don't want to say divisive or controversial cause he wasn't. Um, but I think there is some scouts who saw a lot of potential there and more of that higher end first pairing. Um, but it is more raw project. And I thought there was more of sure things, more closer to NHL ready defensemen available. And I would approach the draft of getting that defenseman, then taking on the projects for defensemen and stuff. Because like you said, we can always, my opinion is you can always get the projects longer term, high skill defensemen like that. Um, you know, with North American overagers like Carter Berger or he's interested, whether first year, first year guys or second year guys out of Europe that are, that have pro experience, like, like Kanunin or going to have pro experience the next year, like Kanunin, um, that you can get with like six, seventh round picks, and they had a bunch of them. So I just would have approached it differently. Um, What's really but in the end, they got a defenseman that I had on my list. I only I put a list of 25 defensemen that I'd be willing to draft out of all the defensemen. He was 24th out 25th, but that's just because he was more of a project. You know, I didn't really start seeing a lot of his tool set come together until the very end that U18 tournament for Belarus. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of the pro- the prospects that come out of Flint. I think that they are all like Delandria. Um, you know, they're, they're more of projects that have trouble after the draft if they stay in Flint. So I'm hoping they can get him out of Flint. Um, you know, he's a London Knight draft draft pick which is a good thing um you know and there was a cu- couple teams i saw that they were drafting from like guys who came out of like pembroke lumber king system uh like which is a minor junior team um that they need you know, to be taking i like from and... the milton menace <laughs> Go yeah eventually our, our favorite junior team in all of canada there's no doubt about that uh, a couple right. of other picks i wanted to talk about um very funny when Cole Swint was taken and uh, you saw what Jacob, our friend from a point to point said, and Cole Swint liked that tweet. I love it when stuff like that happens. I saw yeah, a, another I um, saw an, uh, interesting tweets about him and saw some number. Yeah, let's let's start with that. Let's because that's that's the positive part for sure. Yeah, let's. So Brock Otten again in Cole Swint, the Panthers take a versatile but raw forward who could play any forward position. Very smart player, especially defensively. One of the best defensive forwards available. Your point per game player second half. There was some thread where he automatically almost when he showed up elevated his team's puck possession, which I'm very sure the Panthers knew about because that's a thing that they care about a lot. It seemed like in the first couple of rounds, a lot of projects like that seems to be their thing. Like, well, I think what they're doing is, and you know, I'm could be putting my foot in my mouth. I could just be, you know, I'm just trying to connect dots without knowing much information whatsoever. 
Um, but it looks like they're using the PCS model, especially in this year's draft, um, to kind of focus in on certain guys who fill certain roles. So you had, um, I think you had Knight and the first two picks, Knight and Kali uh, Chanak, as what they probably saw as best all-around players at that spot on their list, I, I would guess. Yeah, that seems uh, and I think, there. and I would say that that's that those both were reasonable best player available picks at that spot. I I, I won't argue with them too much on that, uh, even if I would have gone different ways for both of those picks. But you know, third round out, Ludwig. It looks like they really honed in on his whether you want to call it his plus minus or his even strength goal differential, because it was sixth highest in the WHL. It was like a plus thirty six. Uh, his defensive partner was a plus 22, but then like nobody else was even close. The next closest was plus 16. There was like a few plus tens, plus you know eights, but he was by far like just absurdly further out than the rest of his team. And you got to feel like there might have been if they're looking at if they are looking at you know Schwintz, Corsi numbers. If they're looking at his teammates with and without you, they're probably doing that analysis underneath this plus minus and see something that's worth a third round pick. And so much so that they picked him before the before Schwint, uh, a defensive center, a, a center they a type of center they definitely need to add to the system. Um, that they were willing to spend two fourth round picks to trade up and get Schwint when they could have just got him at 69th when they got Ludwig, who's uh an overager uh defensive defenseman who's not going to put up any points and really the only thing he can point to is uh he's not a terrible skater uh and he has a good plus minus um so that's i, I don't know about that one I yeah so you, you got to think like there there's something that they they're crunching numbers they're looking at data they're talking to somebody they're um they saw something they drafted from the west you know, they had a lot of OHL guys. That must have been Jason Bukala because he was their big Ontario scouting director. And then a lot of guys from out west. I think they took multiple players from the Seattle T-Birds. One of them, of course, came from Vancouver. Part of me is like, was this the, was this the PCS, like, we're going to give these guys because it's Vancouver a lot of runway on this draft? Because that might have been what happened. Right. I mean, which is fair. I, all I can say it's is if anybody at this. the draft table, if anybody at the draft, I'm not saying that they did. I'm not trying to start any or say there's any drama or anything, because I think everybody at the draft table, especially now, gets along and works well together. So I'm not saying that. So I just want to put that, that out there. But I could I could see if anybody had some reservations about picking Spencer Knight 13th overall, it would be the people who made the PCS model and work with that because um, there's they work with draft pick value and, and all of this type of stuff. So I could see them needing some appeasement, and some of that appeasement might have been like, all right, we'll let you have the third and the fourth round picks and some of these other picks to you know just do what you want and just go your way. Um, you know, to get to get the value back that you want, um, then that's fine. I, I if that's what happened, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And we know uh, that I think they that's work how you well make together. a draft table work. Yeah, we know that they work well together. Obviously, if they didn't, they wouldn't have still been there. And I mean, right. I always love following their Twitter feeds on draft day. Weisbach, Jessup, and Lawrence, uh, and Riss is treating a lot of stuff. I like that. Uh, and listen. 
I'm happy that they're in the Panthers organization. We, I want that. You know, and it's clear that whatever happened in the last two years, there was a process that was working out that was something that everybody agreed upon, and they had good drafts. This draft, less so, because there seems to be a lot of risks and a lot of overage guys. The other thing that PCS seems to love is overage guys, and part of that might be, you know, they need to fill out Springfield. Uh, we'll see how some of them turn out the back end of the right. draft. Who knows? I mean, and and it's it's curious that. I think this year, the a reason they went less Europeans is because some of the Europeans they've been getting are these guys for Springfield. But if they're not getting the playing time in Springfield or, um, you know, they get tired of riding the bus in Springfield, they're very quick to go back to Europe. And I think that's the reason why they're getting, you know, you know, some 20-year-old center out of Kitchener instead of somebody who maybe has more NHL potential and maybe more talent out of Europe because they need this guy to actually stay through the whole year next year. True. They need him to be a consistent player. And this is a guy, you know, it's much more easy for a North American to think, you know, living the dream is playing in the AHL for five years uh, than a European who can make probably more, mo who will make more money back in Europe and, you know, have a better lifestyle and all that stuff. I can understand uh, that. You know, you get you get cars when you play in like the second league in Sweden, and they're not great cars and stuff. But you don't have to pay for a car and that and kind of stuff. To, you don't. And you don't have to. They don't do that in the. You know, Utica. the spring, Springfield Thunderbirds aren't you know paying for your car or anything like that. I don't uh, know how many Ubers they pay for. So right. that seems like a lot of it for this draft. Let's get to Dev Camp because uh, you right. like some of the players that they brought in, and it goes yeah. into who they tendered RFA offers to and who they didn't. Uh, I don't know about any of these players, uh, but we're talking about players who didn't get drafted, who are interesting looks that you can bring into dev camp and say, hey, somebody likes something, and now maybe we get a contract, and where do we go from here? So go into that. Sure. Uh, I mean, this one's not um, probably one that we you'll hear much in the future, but they brought this guy, Stefanos Lekas, uh, who's the goalie for Vermont. Uh, he's... I want to say yes, but he's American. He was born in Elborn, Illinois. Well, there's I don't know where, um, where the Greek population lives outside of, I guess, Elborn's near Chicago. I don't know. But, he definitely looks Greek with his hair. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, he definitely looks like he, he comes from the Mediterranean, whether it's – so Stefanos Greek's a, a pretty good – Stefanos is a very Greek name. But he'll, he'll be a senior at Vermont, and last year he put up a 930 – uh, in 34 games, he's you know 9-11 freshman year, 9-14 sophomore year, decent goals against average, um, you know. But I've seen him listed anywhere from 5-10, 5-9, 5-11, and six foot. So I don't know how tall he is. I'm sure we're going to be finding out this weekend. Um, but I, I just think it'd be interesting. If he's maybe some guy that gets some AHL play next year or the following year, uh, and you know if Bednar doesn't work out, or you know they sign this guy Dreger, but you know he's mainly an ECHL goalie, so they're they're gonna need the backfill. Um, mm -hmm. There's two defensemen I think they could actually sign uh, a defenseman from Russia, Gregory Dedov, um, 1999 October 99. So I. Th think that makes him 20 to start the nhl year so he should 20. be i don't know if and since he's coming from russia if he has to go back into the nhl draft or what 
Um, if he does have to go back in the NHL draft, that's a shame because, uh, you know, he's a left-handed shooting defenseman who um, I would have rather have them spend a draft pick on to just be able to sign and keep in their system. He had 26 points in 54 games in the MHL last year, uh, and it looks like he'll be playing in the KHL next year. Um, and he was at the UH, the U18s and, uh, a couple years ago. So he's had some national development experience, and then he just needs left-handed defensemen. And you know he's not—he might not be a stud, he might not be a top-four defenseman, but uh, you got to take these lotto tickets. Another one from the Mooseheads, uh, a factory system I like. Uh, Patrick Kite, uh, left-handed, twenty this past March, so he's definitely AHL able signed able to play in the AHL. Um, mm-hmm. He's only six foot, but 40 points, 67 games. He seems to be more of the offensive puck mover um, type of defenseman. But, you know, whatever. They, they, flyers they, are flyers are flyers, they, right? They might, free. they might need AHL defensemen, but though you were talking maybe not because, like... Well, have- um, if, they sign the, if they sign some of these guys, maybe they don't. You know, if they, yeah. sign, if they sign Kite, that's one out of, you know, 10 spots... Because next year, I mean, if you think about, like, if the Panthers get another defenseman, which they're going to, uh, we're talking maybe Brown, Keeper, Stillman, McDonald. They didn't qualify Downing or Bystrom. Shemtich will be there. Um, I don't think any... Potion might end up being there depending on what they do. Yeah, it's... I think they keep him around as a seventh defenseman more likely than Josh Brown, to be honest with you. But it seems like they're going to have a few openings at the... uh, the uh, the AHL level defensively? It it only seems like that because most years they carry 12, 12 defensemen. Uh, so there's a lot of defensemen leaving. I'm not sure everyone has to be replaced, um, especially if they're going to be more consistent with who they give minutes to instead of trying to find defensemen throughout the course of the year to, to make work. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I might just need one or two signings like Kite or Dedov or somebody else. Um uh, you know, they had some forwards like Antropov. He looks like um, he was probably just off their list this year because he was draft eligible, first year draft eligible, played for Oshawa. Um, you know, and let me just pull up his points right here. 52 points in 66 games for Oshawa this year. Yeah, so I don't, I don't again, like they drafted this some 20-year-old dude out of Kitchener instead of this guy. Um Man, I guess they're they're thinking they'll be able to draft him next year. Um, another forward, Nathan Dunkley, um, nineteen this May. Uh, so I think he could be eligible to be signed because I think he only go through the draft twice. Um, if you're a North American, five mm-hmm. eleven center, but he plays for the London Knights, uh, and he had fifty three points in sixty seven games. So there's another almost point per game guy uh from the chl so also centers of, centers centers yeah yeah in terms of qualifying offers uh there really is no surprise i just mentioned the d um prap london hopala i mean remember him uh they're in europe <laughs> um everybody else poor guy never really yeah I never really given the chance they, and then... they did qualify mammon but that was to retain his rights he's not coming back but that was definitely to right. retain his rights so they have I didn't even include him in my prospect rankings that I've been mocking up. Yep. Uh, where – I would love to see what those look like. So who, uh, if I can ask, before you post that, I'm assuming Rattrick's going to have that very soon. I can't wait to read it. 
Uh, who's number one? Well, I mean, we can talk about it. We can talk you're... about it a little bit, but then you'll write about it, obviously. Now you include yeah. everybody. So who would number one be, I would think? I mean, I bet you you can do the top. I mean, like, to me, I did the top ten pretty easily. After that, it's, you know, there's go into the top ten. five or six that are pretty bunched, and then everybody else sucks. Yeah, let's go to the top ten then. <laughs> I'm assuming right. I know who number one is. Who's number one? I would think it would be Denisenko. Yes. Okay. Not number two. Number two, uh, pretty easy if it's not number one. Yep. Yeah. So then, would three be Owen Tippett? Yep. Okay. Uh, he's also at Dev Camp, which is interesting, by the way. Uh, yeah, I think that's good. I think Tippett's the guy that you always have to keep on his toes. Yeah, I think it's. I'm really interested to see what happens with him in preseason. I'm extremely yeah. interested to see. Well, what you want him come. I think he's the type of guy you want playing pissed off. Yeah, I think there. I think I can see that. I don't know where he's going to start this year, but he seems like the kind of player that Joel Quenville could get a lot out of. Well, when they when they didn't piss him off, he came in the camp a little too, you know, lax. Yeah, so I think they're trying they're trying the opposite this year. Okay, so we'll I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, would four be Sarah Noel? No, sir. No, it would not be Sarah Noel. No. Hmm. Who might it be? It's not Kentonen, is it? No, no, no. Okay, I'm just checking. Uh, who would it be? Curious. Spencer Knight. Okay, that makes sense. Just because I, you know, I see a little more. Okay. Well, you know, just position wise, you know, because yeah. they don't have any centers. It's not like Noel's a center or anything. No, I, I, I get that. But uh, you know, it's, it's, it was close. There's, there's some. So would, so would push five? Be, so would five be Noel? Yes. Okay. Since, since Sarah Noel will be five. Where is the D coming in? I want to right see. here. So six, that would I would assume be Gildan. No. No, it's not. Okay. No, no, no. Oh, it's your it's your boy. No. Who is it then? Well, I mean, I go back and forth between Kanunin and Kalia Chanok. Oh, okay, um, yeah. I think they're you know, one's the best left handed defenseman in the pool, the one's the best right handed so defenseman in the pool. Six and seven. One's closer to the NHL and maybe a little safer. The other one's, you know, has maybe a little more I don't know, they both have pretty good potential if you if they hit the you know. So Kalia Chanok and, and Kitchen in are six and seven. Yeah, I mean, Russians seem to be going higher in the draft than usual, even Belarusians. not nearly as many teams that are anti-Russian as they used to be. And for some reason, Finnish D, even even though their European D went higher than I thought this year, Finnish D, D, D always go a little further back. I don't know if I it's know because... I you love Miko Kakanen. He went late yeah, third to the middle. To Toronto. All the D I liked and... Over, that I liked over Kolyakonov that got drafted after Kolyakonov went to teams that I usually like their D drafting. Boston, Toronto, Nashville, um, and San Jose. Mm-hmm. So that's that's oh. an interesting that's an interesting uh, thing. So about, you know, this just maybe why I would have gone. Into the, the prospect pool. I, so I mean, six, six, seven, eight is the is the D with Kolyakonov, Kanunin, and Gildan. Uh, I have Gildan at eight just because. Um, he's not as good at defense as the other two he's just and the other two aren't bad at offense so it's to me yeah, it's I can understand deep. that uh, and it's just a preference thing but yes. i think six seven eight they're all close enough that you can put them in any order you want nine montembeau i think you know just because 
goalies have somewhat of a value. And he's still technically uh, a prospect. He's still they don't somebody, yeah. I would and they don't have any better. They don't have any better D centers or frankly winner wingers to put above him. So that will uh, ten be. Ang just Aang, because yeah. he's the best center and he's highly athletic. Um, mm-hmm. at 10. So that's 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 reasonable. That's reasonable. And then and then you guys like uh, Thomas Shemich at eleven, Stillman. Stillman. Stillman at 12, they're probably, you know, similar. Uh, Cliff Pooh at 13, because we have Cliff Pooh. I don't know if you remember. You remember that weird trade that made no sense? Hey, hey, I'll take it, because I think Cliff Pooh could be, you know, they need AHL centers, and he can play center, he can play wing. He's a Jonathan Ang type, so I'll take him. Okay. So Uh there's your your, uh, prospect rankings. Yeah, and then kind of get into some of the – Guys that drafted last year, some of the guys that drafted this year, Brady yeah. Keep kind of getting into, you know, is, you know, 20 something, 21. So that's an interesting group, and that was that and Dev, and Dev Camp stuff. So I want to give you just a little bit of chance on the draft to say who did you like, whose drafts did you like. Everybody seems to like before we move on to other things where we talk about trades and NHL stuff. Uh, I know everyone likes Carolina's draft. Uh, and then they go out and immediately yeah, complete an awful trade right afterwards because the forces, I guess, have to be balanced. But Carolina, yeah, well, the, the contract wasn't insured, is what I got. To, oh, from by the end of yeah, by the end of that is what I got was oh, the contract. Oh, oh, that seems like Tom Dund. You know what's really funny? Yeah. Tom Dundon now that he's suing Charlie Ebersol for seventy million from the AF. Um, yeah. they are they are very much a team that is moneyballing it. I mean, I don't think they're spending much above the cap for anytime soon. Because you heard what's going on with the Ajo negotiations, and that's it's yeah. just like they're yeah. playing with fire. I like what they're doing, but it seems like they're going a little bit too hard on the money ball stuff. When you're trying to walk the line, you, you can fall in. You, you, know? can fall, you can fall into the shark-infested waters. I mean, they had a great draft. Everyone loved their draft. Yeah, but I think, I mean, down, but it's I mean, easy. It's, I mean, yeah, it's easy to have a good draft when I – so you have a good draft in, in, a lot of fins. Well, when because did they have a good draft? We don't know. Time will tell. But it's easy to have a good draft when the only thing you need to do to have a good draft is amass picks, and that's what they did. So, I mean, because there's a lot of teams I thought had a bad draft that a lot of people were saying, oh, I had a good draft, and I just looked. It's, oh, they just had a lot of draft picks, or, oh, they made a couple trade backs. And, and you know, because that's now the, the smart thing is trading back. So who um, had the best draft in your eyes? Detroit, but that's a bias because Stevie Wise back in town. Uh, a lot he of went. Weren't fans of Detroit's draft. I I think he he went up and he picked a guy that uh, his guy won, but also a guy who had tons and tons of value right on the draft floor. That was you know, um, I heard that you know there was teams trying to trade up to seven or eight to t- to pick him. Um, yeah, so. It it seems like I like a general manager that that's willing to take his guy and take a hot com- commodity, and it's not like he doesn't know how to draft defensemen, develop defensemen, or whatever. He'll be fine. Um, and Detroit needs it, and they can wait for him. Um, but then he went really hard on the Swedes. Wow, um, I love that. And yeah, I did like that. But he picked my favorite defenseman, Albert Johansson, at sixty. Um, and so you know that's and then he picked a couple of the other Swedes I like and um, but you know pick some BCH he just 
just kind of went all over the place. He had diversity. He got guys that are quicker. The NHL guys will take a while. Lefty centers, righties. You know, he just kind of died the I map, which is what Detroit he needed to do for his first draft pick. Kind of put his benefit. stamp on the he team. Gets the benefit of the doubt because you know he's Steve Eiserman and he built the Lightning. So uh, I think right. it's fair to give him that. Uh, uh, Another other... team alike was San Jose, and yeah, I and I want to bring there. this, and and I want to bring this up because this is. Something I mentioned in another podcast, and I've been thinking about it. San Jose, the way they draft is kind of what you're hoping Florida is doing. Um, San Jose has gone into a really good pattern of drafting. Um, they draft these guys with weird European names from all these different leagues. They or draft just guys. Weird players, because they drafted right. Merkley last year. Right. But, and, they, and they figure, hey, if he's got you know, like, character turned... in air quotes. Yeah, they turned Rudolph Balkers into a pretty good prospect and trade commodity. Um, and, you know, they they trade up sometimes, they trade back, and you never really know how the draft's going to go. Um, but you they always tend to draft guys, bring them up through the system roughly around the same pace, and they're all con- contributing and they make a lot of trades, and they trade a lot of their homegrown guys out to other teams. Um, and you're hoping that now, obviously, San Jose loves the European players. Florida didn't go Europe at all this year. Um, that's probably more of an anomaly than anything. They'll probably go back to Europe. I mean, Kekalainen and still with the team, right? Yes. He's not hostage somewhere. So he'll be um, – so I think they'll be fine. But if they just do that – if because, you know, they have that same way. San Jose doesn't care if they're going to get a B- minus or a C plus or whatever on the draft grade. Uh, they have their list. They know it's a little weird. They know it's it's this or that, and it it's not going to bench up. Yeah, but it's what they like. They're committed to it, and they're good at executing on it. So if Florida can the Panthers, that, for all of their issues, in air quotes, that's basically what they've done the last three years since it's Talon well, with Bukala, I mean, PCS, guys like that. Well, have they? I think that is still. I well, I think still that to be determined, but it looks like it. Th- see, I, I think the victory flag has has gone up a little a little high on that. I mean, if we're well, let's wait to see what happens with Tippett and Hepponiemi. Right. How about that? Well, I mean, but like that that's the first round pick. That's not what PCS like first round picks is not really what PCS is going to be good for. He- he- but he- like well, we're looking. Hepponiemi, Kintunen. Yeah, like it's that. like is. You know, they put a lot into Logan Husko. We'll see if that works out. But that's kind of tinged with like by... three other guys with Panthers connections. Yeah, but that's but that's kind of tinged by injuries. So if he doesn't work out, you might not be able to put it all on PCS. But there's Justin Schutz. There's, you know, there's this draft pick. But there's Tyler Inamoto, Um, You know, Riley Stillman's a big one. Uh, I think Ang's a big one. But you know. Who who else? Like who have they picked outside the first round that has been good in recent draft years? Well, as I said, like you know, got... Max and Mobbin's been pretty good, but they they kind of shot themselves they, in front of that one. Um, they got Finkelstein, and Finkelstein's kind of been coming along, but you know, there's still probably Max two, Gilden, three, more years left like, on that. I think we like Max Gilden. Yeah, but you know, there's still a lot. You know, well, he has more that has to be done. Uh, I don't think he's improved since he's entered college really too much i mean like i think he's gotten bigger stronger like that but his game hasn't advanced okay so 
anyway. And obviously, you know, Florida can't do much because if he's in college and stuff. But, you know, that – I mean, there's – We'll have to see. I, I think there's still a lot to be decided. And I think, you know, there's what we have to understand is let's not say it's a victory. They're already doing good with it. I think, you know, there's a learning curve. It's going to take them so many years to dial into their draft profile. And it seems maybe they're dialing into the draft profile now. And then, you know, it's going to take a couple of years to see the evidence of if that draft profile works or not. It's yeah. it's just a very long-term process. Especially when you changed so much as they did from 15 to 16. Right. And then the, the, the machinery the, from 16 is still there. It's just Dale Talon running the table now. The problem is, if it doesn't work, everybody gets fired, the team gets gutted, and, you know, you have to start all over again. It takes crash. a while to build up because, you know, if you don't have that pipeline coming – and, you know, five years out from now, if all of these guys, you know, Dennis Sanko or, or Noel, like, you know, all these guys just don't hit or, you know, we can't supplement the team. A lot of people lose their jobs and the team's just not going to win. And, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be nice. It would be really nice that, you know, well, we're gonna if we have the to first fruits of make it with big Pepe, trades. Pepe this year. It's going to be the first fruits of yeah. it. With, with but, you know, trades. I think the last thing on the draft, uh, some more, you know, unfiltered thoughts is, the the way they committed to taking a lot of risk, taking risk on night, um, which I think there's a decent amount of worry that willing to take night at 13 means you're not 100% sold. Borowski's signing with you, or if he's signing with you, is going to be able to do it more than two or three years out from now. See, here's the uh, thing that Catherine that's mentioned good on, the, on the podcast, which I get. It still comes off to me as a little odd, but if night's on a three-year timeline, you still got four years left in the Bobrovsky contract, and I understand that we are now going more in the NHL for uh, 1A, 1B. Teams that doing it, are doing it are a lot more successful. I can understand that, and you kind of eased Spencer Knight into the job in many ways to the point where the Bobrovsky contract can be easily dealt with by the time it's almost over. Right, but I you understand know, that, but it is a risk. It is a big risk. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's, it's really not a big deal. But I think basically what they're saying is they don't think Barofsky is going to be a five-year answer. That, well, that's well, what they're that, saying. And I mean, like, it's, they know however, they, they, however they get out of it, whether it's the expansion draft or a, using a buyout exemption after the, the lockout or, what, or, or, you know, doing the 50-50 and kind of weaning Barofsky off the team, however they would do it. Um, they they know that they they know right now they they need to be ready in two, in three four years to have a like a big time starter in net because that is not Bobrovsky yeah because that's when you're re-signing Barkov so is that yep you're correct yeah so like you need to have a Stanley Cup winning goaltender ready to go or you know right then and there and a goal so, in an entry level contract and night you know will not it makes one for it at least shows that they're thinking about that but you know all the other risks they took the risk they took in d um you know unless they think you know kali chanak is a lot closer than i do they went with long-term guys they went with ahl guys and to me that means they're committed to getting that defensive answer in the trade market because it's not going to be ufa which i'm fine with um because they just don't have the money to do ufa if they get barofsky and um mm-hmm. uh so let's I'm go now there. into some other moves in the nhl uh let's talk about some trades uh we'll, we're gonna have to talk about the flyers in a second um i want to first say we go into some of the things uh first of all can we laugh at the predators for how horribly they managed the suban situation 
I mean, I know cap space is a big deal. And I mean, really is weird. that the... I think it's not... It's mismanaging Kyle Torres, that that's situation. That's and true. that's backed them into this corner. They gave out... They gave out too much on that trade. They just completely they gave out Kamenov, they gave out Gerard. Gerard. They gave you know, they gave out a bunch of picks. Um and then they signed a deal with Torres that's that's hurting them and is forcing them to make this trade. And, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into any PK Suban trade or anything with PK Suban. Um and there's a lot of off ice stuff, you I know, that people are gonna inject into it. Pretty cool. I mean, yeah, no but I mean, like, like, let's I be do. honest. Let's be honest. PJ Subban is getting married to Lindsey Vaughn now. Lindsey Vaughn's not going to want to be in Nashville. Newly retired Lindsey Vaughn isn't going to want to be in Nashville. She's a brand. She's building herself. I've seen. I've been in two rooms where she's given two corporate talks. You know, like really, eh? she's more of a New York type person. Where is PK Subban gonna live? That's another question that I, I want. What to you can you can live in Montclair, dude. So that you well you can live in Hoboken, you can live in Jersey City. Why would you live? Why would you want to live in Hoboken or Jersey City? It's actually City? pretty gentrified, both of those places. I okay, but you could have experience. a big bad, big bad suburban house in Montclair and you just be in New York City well, whenever you want. Being in Newark would be difficult. You know the traffic in around that area is a bit of a mess. You're not driving if you have that much money. Well, you're not driving, but you're still having to get a long way in Newark. But, I mean, I'm, I'm happy for the Devils because, you know, that's a great trade for them. They need actual defensemen, you know, because they're bestie for what? Will Butcher? That's a problem. Uh, and now they actually have hope that, you know, they might be not being strung along. They're, they're doing a lot of things that I like. I don't know whether it translates immediately to them being good now. But I think it's, it's – you add Jack Hughes, you add P.K. Subban, it makes it more likely that Taylor Hall stays with you. That's, that's, I guess, important from a, from a devil's perspective. Uh, and it means that, again, Kako versus Hughes all the time is going to be a lot of fun. The Rangers and Devils have improved this offseason, and we've still got a ways to go. But, I, I mean, for, for Nashville, I mean, if they use that cap space to sign Matt Duchesne, which seems like the thing that's going to happen, hmm. I mean... They'll just, I mean, that's that, there's nothing that explains Poyle's kind of decline in Nashville more than compounding mistakes and uh for all you know, the things is... he's done there's still many mistakes and well maybe the good news is for the Predators is they don't have to have Paul Fenton because <laughs> Paul Fenton's terrible I mean he's bad I think it's possibly I mean it's well how he's mismanaged the Jason Zucker situation is pretty shameful gotta be honest how, I mean that might not be his call to make. I mean, Minnesota is a very much owner-run team, and uh, you know they they do a lot of things pretty bluntly because in Minnesota they're not the biggest hockey team, which which helps them. Yeah, you're you're actually right. <laughs> so hilarious. Um, you know they. I I think that Minnesota's in a situation where they're trying to make something out of the last years of. Parisian Sutter, and it's not so much whoever you know Fletcher or Fenton or whoever uh, would take that take that job. You know, you took the job knowing that what what it meant. It meant you know the owner wanted all these guys out of here because he was just tired of them and, and wants new guys. But you can only do so much with the money, and it's Minnesota who's going to want to go there and all that stuff. Oh, uh, well, you're coming out from from that. Okay, other trades we should mention. Um. 
How did the Canucks give up a first-round pick for a salary cap dump in JT Miller? That's funny. I mean, I just think the Canucks should have just got P.K. Subban and just yeah, hit all of his cap papers. That would have been, been interesting. Like, I, I just... That that was the weirdest part. Is They went for Subban, they didn't get him, and then J.T. Miller. Yeah, and I guess it's a smaller cap hit, yada, 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 but I feel like they could have gone a little bigger there. Um, um, JT Miller's fine. He's definitely the type of player Vancouver likes and gets. I mean, Vancouver's like clutching Adam Gaudet like it's a pearl. So, uh, you know, it's, it's true. And until they signed Tyler Myers to the worst contract in the history of everything. Yeah, I think that's a little overblown. I think a lot of those numbers might be um, agent throwing out stuff, trying to, yeah. you know. Get some well, momentum. Unless you're, unless you're Darren Ferris and Paul Marner. Right. Can we, can we I, laugh at that situation and how much of a circuit it's become? I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the Steve Dangle podcast, and we, they spend hours talking about it. I can't blame them. And Mitch Marner. The amazing. open letter to Marner. Jesus. It was, I, I, and I those guys that. kind of bashed Nylander for what he was doing. And I, Nylander I, didn't even ask for that much money. Nylander was, is. I think that was just mismanaged from everybody. And now you're seeing it with a player like Marner who. Listen, I think some of that is managed really poorly by the agent. The agent's playbook's not working. Um, I think there's emotion in a negotiation like that. And as everybody says, emotion in negotiation is not great. Um, listen, here's what I want to happen if it doesn't happen. Martyr to their abs. How could you not want... They, the Avalanche have all the cap space in the world. They could legitimately give up the things and get Martyr and just have the super team of everybody and be the fastest team in hockey. Come on, Colorado. If it's not going to be the Leafs for Martyr, it should be the abs. How amazing would that be? But, I mean, here's it's the not, thing. Sign as much Leafs. as... As much as Marner keeps, you know, saying of, you know, especially Marner's dad keeps, you know, puffing his chest out like someone's going to be willing to offer sheet us. You know, whether you're offer sheeting or trading, you're, well, how many teams are going to be willing to give $12, 13000000 million cap and give up four first rounders or give up what would they'd have to trade, you know, because after they sign, you have a week to work out, you know, like when Flyers signed Shea Weber. They spent a week trying to convince Predators to take a package with, like, Braden Shan and blah, 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 and, like, two firsts and a defenseman or something like that instead. And they just never settled on an agreed price, so Nashville never just matched it. That was probably what's going to happen. But, you know, how is some – what team other than, like, Arizona is going to, you know, have the ability to give up something that Toronto would want uh, to get the deal done and then give that cap it to Marner. You'd, and then yeah, Marner would want to go there one. because how, how, how is, you know, if a team does that, if, if a team gives up four first rounds for Marner, Marner could be give, God's gift to hockey. He's not going to make that team good enough with that cap hit to somehow win the Stanley Cup or, or to be useful in his five, six years or whatever he signs there. He's he'd He'd be better to just take, you know, 10 million, 9 million at, in Toronto for four or five years or whatever, six years, whatever it gets I down think to. I think it would be harder to do five because then you have Nylander, Matthews, and Marner up at the same time, which is a disaster. <laughs> but Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of, I think you have Marner's to be realistic. Leafs, but I don't know what it's going to look like, and I'm really interested to see what it looks like. I think, I think you have to be realistic and just, you know, as soon as, 
you can't keep everybody and you kind of just have to prioritize guys put your know where your line in the sand is with certain guys and know which guys you'd want to move out or try to move out first um and i think there's some truth to them really wanting to keep marner and even if they have to give Marner a ridiculous salary cap and trade out Nylander, they, they'd probably do that, which I think would be great for whichever team because I'm not sure Nylander isn't equally as good as, as Marner is. Um, Come on, Willie. Come on to the Panthers. So, Come on. Yeah. I'm for that. Uh, other moves, uh, the Marlowe trade, they gave up a first-round pick essentially to the Hurricanes to buy Why are out. people helping out, Toronto? <laughs> I don't know why people help out the Leafs. I have no idea. But maybe, maybe again, Moneyball, you buy a first-round pick essentially uh, if you're the if you're the Hurricanes. Right. I and, don't understand why you do it. Yeah, and that's the cheapest Dundon can get talent. So Yeah, yes. it doesn't cost him that much off the top. I'm um, sure he can write it off in taxes. I bet he can. Um, we think uh, the – that was that trade with the with the Flyers. You have, I mean, can, can I can I just say briefly about the Flyers? It's I think it's a lot of it's rearranging deck chairs, and it looks like a lot's happening as they're rearranging deck chairs, but they're still rearranging deck chairs. I don't think it really makes them that much better. The Sanheim contract is fascinating because it's a two-year bridge deal uh, till the point when Seattle comes in and the NHL has a new US TV deal and the cap explodes. So. I think that's an interesting bet on yourself from Travis Sanheim. Uh, but you look at, I mean, Braun and Niskanen and things of this nature, Tyler Pitlick and Hayes' contract is too rich. It's a lot of rearranging deck chairs from the Flyers to try to win now. And they also re-signed Brian Elliott because Talbot's going to walk. So I don't know where you stand on the Flyers. I don't think that they're any better or worse than they were. They just made a lot of moves. Well, they're better center with Hayes, and I mean, compared to what other centers who put up similar five-on-five points will sign, like Matthew Shane, um, you know, it's it's not that bad of a contract. It just looks bad because Giroux's at eight million, so you're like, oh god, that's pretty close. And Couturier's at like Couturier, right? But that's just because Couturier signed. You know, this was this is Hayes's, I guess, third UFA time through ufa i mean so his numbers just exploded you know it's just kind of like if you if you jump around your jobs more your salary is going to be higher than if you just stay at the same company and beg for raises his uh his third different contract he had an entry level he had a two-year bridge and then he had a one-year contract after arbitration which everyone knew was not going to happen um i guess it makes sense in the case for kevin hayes he's not a bad player uh, it does make no. I mean, and it's more money than I would spend, and I'm not a Kevin Hayes fan, and like I hate Niskanen, and that that trade was bad. I mean, the Gudis for Niskanen sucked. I mean, that was awful. The, the Braun train was uh, but they bad. got it. They got that. They got that second round pick bad. So it's not. So you know, a third for Braun isn't too bad if you think of it that way. Yeah. If you really want to do mental gymnastics to think of it that way, um, and you know, Braun's at least capable, contract. and I like about him. But you know, I I. I just think Fletcher's kind of boring. He's doing things for the sake of doing them. He's not making and a I lot think of that's, impact. And that's and that's what he was brought in to do because that's Hexall was fired for not doing things because he was getting pressure to do something, change it up, let's go, let's just do something. And Hexall didn't want to do it, 
So we'll see if it gives him any more success. I'm kind of in between both of them. I think, you know, Fletcher and Hexall, if they, you know, work together would have been um, possibly still have plenty uh, of cap a good space for that. Yeah. For Konechny's interesting deal, Pro Roth. They still have enough to do other things, but. Right. I think, you know, the guy I'd be looking at offer sheeting is Braden Point. Um, cause I don't even think you have to go crazy numbers like Marner. I think you have to go like 13 or, you know, well, something I think bad to get to it. Do it. I think you'd have to do it at a point. Like if you're going to offer sheet Mitch Marner, you have to do it at a point. Not, I don't think that high cause it's too punitive, but I think if you're going to offer sheet Mitch Marner, you have to do it at a point where the Leafs would have a difficult time making that decision. You can't like overall, like you can't go be totally dickish and put the Leafs in a box in many ways, like 13 would be basically asking for it. But if you did it at like 11, then that would give the Leafs a lot of pause. That's the only offer sheet that makes sense for Marner. For point, I don't know. I think that's going to get done because everyone gets done in Tampa. And Yeah, also, but you could do 8 million for point and make it that make same it situation for Tampa. For the, yeah, you could definitely yeah. do that. And if, if you're, you, you know, like but if I'm Colorado, guy, that's... Aho, what would you do for Sebastian Ajo? Like, how do you box Carolina in? Because it's it's clear that they are not going to spend all that much money. So how do you box in Sebastian Ajo or, you know, other guys? Like, I mean, like, I'm trying to think of the other good RFAs out there because there are good ones. Like, if I look at – how about the Jets? Because they always have interesting RFAs. Like, if you were going to be, like, maybe doing something Patrick like for Connor. Copper Connor – like maybe not cop, but Connor certainly. Like that's an interesting RFA deal. No, Brock I don't Spencer. want Kyle Connor. I don't want Kyle Connor anymore. Okay. We could have drafted him for free. I'm not giving up assets for Kyle. No, Connor. No, I'm not saying the Panthers are doing it. I'm saying like just an interesting <laughs> thing. I know where you're thinking about that. What about Brock Besser? That's another interesting one. No, nah, he's staying. A lot of interesting RFAs out there. Um, other deals that we saw. I'm trying to think if there were any other. No, uh, there's nothing. Nothing really. It it it's going to be so fascinating. Okay, let's get to the elephants in the room. Let's get to. Bob and Panarin. I I was listening to, excuse me, I was listening to the Thirty One Thoughts podcast with with Fridge and Chris Johnston, and Chris Johnston says gut that he thinks it's going to be both of them to Florida. I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't see likely, any reason. I still think it's more likely that it's Bob and not Panarin. But I think it's more likely it's both of them than one of them. I think that's my I think, feeling. I think we're I think we're getting the more and more we go, I think it's more likely that they both come. I really am starting to lean to that because they're touring teams together with the same agent. I mean, yeah, I mean there's like, only two teams that can handle both of them. Islanders. And the Islanders and the Panthers and the Islanders I think really are at the end of the day going to realize that just signing Laner is going to be just better for them. Yeah. And 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 I think this is, you know, they're they're taking the Borowski meeting just in case and and to put, you know, uh you know, put some pressure to Laner cuz Laner kind of put some pressure on them saying he was thinking about you know, he wants to sign with the Islanders blah blah blah, but you know, he'll he'll go to the period. If they got you know? if they got matching 10.5 AAVs over 7 years, Bob and Panarin. You all right? Well, is well the rumor and I think this is I don't know how these things work, um, but the rumor was that Florida was kind of part of Florida's pitch was to at least the agent, um, you know, is like we're like we're just going to offer you this pile of money and you can split it up how you want. 
that's an interesting one because as you say like there's the there is the tax situation which does obviously help in many ways there is in the case of Panarin you're playing with Quenville again there is in the case of those two it's like you have to reasonably think that they're being told if you come here we have a legitimate chance to win the Stanley Cup which is reasonable because they do if you get if you right. get Bobrovsky and you get Panarin and you can play together because it seems like they do want to play together and also there's a lot of Russians in Florida there's a lot of Russians on that team and you're going to be comfortable here you're not going to have the same kind of pressure you would have had no matter where else you go because Florida is just a different animal all things considered and Again, I mean, playing with Joel Quenville in that case is is a big sell. And, and you save a lot of money versus any other team because instead of needing a place to live in South Florida and anywhere else in Canada or the U.S. where you played, South Florida, you just that's it. And then the tax benefit on top of that. So and, and then, as I said, like in the end, they want to win. And if they both sign in Florida, as I said before, if you put Panarin on a line with Barkov and Huberto, it's over. That's the best. Out of all the teams mentioned, and, you know, there's the Avalanche mentioned with Panarin. I don't think he signed. But, but you can't sign Bobrovsky well, there because you signed Grubauer. Well, well, that, there's also, it's not, it's landlocked. It's in the middle of freaking nowhere. And well, Panarin and Bobrovsky... Well, I mean, there's not. It's not a bit. It's not. It's not the city that the rumor is that Bobrovsky and Panarin want to play. It. They 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 said in Columbus we want to go play on a coast. Yeah, on a coast. We want to go. You know, so like, it would like the Kings don't have the cap space. The Ducks don't like Russians. The Sharks don't have cap space. You know, the Rangers could get one but not the other. Um, the Islanders could get both, but right. going to the but Islanders and like the here. only team that can that you you know the Avs or the Rangers you could say has a decent chance of winning the cup just like the Panthers, but you can't get both it, of them. You can't get both of them, and you know they don't have the number one. The well, Avs I guess do. the Avs, the Avs do. do. The Avs but, do. You know, Col- but just talk about the Rangers. Like the the Rangers don't have that center to play them with, and Florida has two, Barkoff. maybe three centers to yeah. play them with. The, the Panthers have Barkov, which is which is an equalizer. And I think, as I said, the more it goes on, the more likely it looks like they're going to get both. And if you get both, that's obviously something that we all want, and it would be a huge statement of intent. And I think that, you know, we we see that. We we could see that uh, fans fans really need to just stop worrying about these like there's teams and situations where you have to care about the term you have to care about you know the life of the contract and then there's teams and situations where you don't um, Panarin's good enough and young enough where seven years seven years this is one of the best free agent forwards that will come on the market ever. And more so than Jonathan Tavares, this one will be more beneficial to the roster. And we have an we have the inside track on getting him. We will not usually have the inside track on getting the top free agents in a draft class. This is the usually... biggest outside acquisition for the Panthers since Pavel Bure. Yeah, I mean this. I mean, you would have to just in terms of any type of player in the system in Panthers history, it would be like Barkov, Luongo, Bure, then probably Panarin. Yeah. And Barov. Huberto's up there too, but you mean... Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But, you know, Panarin is, I think, you know, he's he's older, so it helps. He's 27. 
Um, he's a little bit older, but Bobrovsky's going to be 31. And the thing that the just fans, a little bit older. I know that's a little bit more old, a little bit older. But as I said, with Bobrovsky, you do it because we talked about the cup window where you've got Barkov and Trocheck on the amazingly team friendly deals, and, and that's a contract you can get out of. Uh, you can get yeah, and also as we said, by the time we get to the end of that three year window, which is 1920, 2021, 21, 22. Seattle's in the league, so the cap's going up, and there's a new US TV deal, so the cap's going up. The cap's going to explode by the time that three-year window ends. So and that's also the time when Spencer Knight presumably is going to be an NHL goaltender. So you could yeah, and it's not like Spencer Knight's coming in at five million. At... No, he's going to be he's going to be on an entry-level deal. And and as far as I'm not, tell, speaking of Spencer Knight, another reason not to let him stay in college too long is because you don't want him to get any UFA ideas. Oh geez, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> one and a done, baby, one and done. Just get him out. Well, it depends on what kind of team they have in BC this year because they were awful last year. Uh, the thing. Well, they, pretty... there's there's a bunch of I think there's going to be a bunch of one and done guys uh, like New Hook and uh, some others. Yeah, that are... I mean, as I said, Hutz goes there. There's a couple Panthers guys there. Um, here's the thing from Thirty One Thoughts on Panarin. Uh, Denver is an unlikely landing spot for the talented winger. Like, everyone wanted to connect the dots and say, oh, they've got a billion dollars in cap space, what are they doing? It never seemed like that was going to be a fit for him. And and the more that we go on... It's unlikely, it yes. It just seems like it's going to be the Panthers. It's just going to seem like it's the Panthers getting them both. And if they get them both, that means they can't sign Tyler Myers. That's good, because he stinks. Well, I mean, they're not going to sign Tyler Myers, period. This, I hope End so. I hope so. I mean, they just, they can't. He's going to get $6 million, and there's no way yeah, they pay him. There's no way they're signing him to $6 million. They, you know, yeah. they wouldn't even sign Matheson to $6 million. And Matheson on, you know, right now. far better than Tyler Myers, so. Yeah, right now. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people would say that. I don't, I don't think that they're after Tyler Myers. So I'm not worried about it. Well, I saw, well, I was also listening to another Steve Angle podcast where they thought the Panthers were going to get Jake Gardner. I don't think that's happening either. But I I listened to it because I. I mean, it makes sense because they got Yandel, they have Matheson, they like those types of D. But but, they don't need more of them. That's what we've been talking about. And and they don't, they can't pay Gardner. The only How, where are they coming up with all this money? I don't know. How they pay Gardner? I don't know. I mean, even if you get rid of Hoffman and Pesek and Reimer, you still only add. 10 million ish to your cap hit and you're spending 20 of it on Bobrovsky and Panarin and you need to sign RFAs so probably not uh the yeah, only their RFAs are pretty cheap though they, they aren't going to be crazy but uh it's I mean, it's can they not sign those you those like the RFAs will be cheaper than like like Sheehan's going to cost probably 2 million no less than that if they sign him but I don't know if they're going to well I mean his that. he was coming up with three something cap hit yeah so how much know, how much how much of an actual because some team will pay him two million in free agency. Hope it's not the Panthers. And that's what I'm saying. Like, so, you know, how much do they really like these guys? Because Brower is going to be, you know, you could pay him. You're not you pay him basically league man, and he'll be fine. I'm hoping. I'm hoping with Q that's the case. Because yeah, then that's basically fine. Basically pay him league. But you know, if if any of these vets make more than one point five million, or even really one point two five million, then you're kind of just throwing money away because you can get somebody for eight hundred fifty thousand who's probably much better. You know, the same, don't especially if you already have Brower there. Don't, do not. And Sevier's going to be there anyway. Yeah, don't disagree no. with you. Uh, that's, I think that's it. There's nothing else uh, the, we can say. I mean, the only other shame of it, of that awful trade for DeHaan, is that I don't think the Hurricanes are going to be in the market of trading. DeHaan, DeHaan would have been nice for the Panthers, but 
you know, the the injury. It's it yeah. just wouldn't have worked out. So while it's like, oh, great, at that price, that player, that makes sense for Florida. Unfortunately, well, the, the situation. It was the same thing with Panthers fans wanting Truba, and I'm like, the Panthers don't need more D like they already have, and Truba yeah. is like the D they already have. Yeah. So. But, you know, at least DeHaan would have made sense for them at the fit. It's just with the injury, he just, you know, I don't even think he's going to be ready by the start of the season. So I, it's well, what... I'm, well, my point is on DeHaan is I don't think now it means Carolina is as willing to deal another D. That, and we obviously said Patrick right. Slavin were, were targets. I They're going to get a D. I just don't know where it's coming from. If it's not free agency, it's a trade. I'm just I think it's – I. I would be looking at Calgary. Yeah, um, I mean that's that's. You know, I think I think Brody is. Would you the be type... okay with TJ Brody? Because that's a, yeah, that's an I mean one. that's an because, interesting one for me. Because it's short term. Uh, because you're you're banking on, um, you know, and his sal his his cap hits four six five. His t- yep, you know, he's got one salaries. His salary is a little more than that, but, you know, his salary is 4 8 I mean, it's not, you know, it's just one year of that. I would still be on he's the He's good enough to play. He's good enough to play with Ekblad, or at least, yeah. you know. And, yes, he's not as defensive as I would have liked, but he's more defensive than the guys who have been back there. Like what kind of what, – what would a trade for Brody look like? Because, I mean, I don't think it would include Hoffman because, I mean, it's one no. year. So what would the trade look like? Um, I'm curious. I mean, well, it could be Pissick in a pick. I mean, it could be, be fine. It, it could just be, be taking. It, it it depends on if Calgary's looking at it as a salary dump because they have twenty six, you know, twenty six million tied they up. They gotta the get back. Matt Matt Kachuk and Sam Bennett or RFAs. So yeah, so like you know, cost them some money. They need to go their goalie, so that's gonna cost them money. Like, I mean, I could see them two. trading. I could see them trading for like Makoshin or you know they them see them trading for like Malgin or something. Well, you I know. wouldn't like Malgin as much as Makoshin. Yeah, that'd be fine. But. Well, yeah, but obviously, but you know, it's TJ Brody. They they're gonna want something. Well, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Like Pesic and a pick would be fine because they they get they don't really. They might not that need much. G. That's the problem. Well, I mean, you if you're I mean Michael Stone's bad. You you don't really. I think that they would probably be okay with having a D and then I mean they've still got Shillington Anderson and Valimaki but I mean beyond that I mean it's, it's yeah I mean but Calgary has a lot of D they could, they, they, could they, they, they I think the other place we mentioned was Lace Ducks with Lindholm I saw a crazy yeah. trade mock trade on hockey buzz before the draft it was something like Ekblad Noel and a couple of picks for Lindholm and three draft picks it was a crazy trade idea and I loved it because it would have bet the, the Panthers got Hampus Lindholm but, but they traded Ekblad, so there's no reason. I, I mean, know. so it would have been nice, but, like, you got him to play with Ekblad. I know. Uh, I, I, I mean, but the Ducks need D uh, now. The Ducks need D. So, I mean, that's another problem. So, Right. I mean, it's... I think they'll get one. There's obviously trade Flor- to come the, out of The nowhere. biggest thing with Florida, and, and a lot of fans are having, I think, some issue... They're they're trying to piece together well. They Florida needs D, so they can't get Panarin because they need to get D. And it's like, okay, you can trade for a D anytime. You can sign a D anytime, July first afterwards. Um, and you know the ones that go for big money on UFAs are usually the ones that aren't good two years later. The ones that go maybe two days later on UFA day, you know, like on July third, that go, you know, for a million for approve it 
you know, because it's just like a change of scenery type signing or something like that, they tend to have some value a year later. Um, so maybe, you know, it's something like that. You can't look Panarin and Bobrovsky off because you're worried about term, because you're worried about getting something else later in the off season. This is now. There's no way that by Saturday dinner time, Panarin and Bobrovsky don't probably have their minds made up and know how much they're getting paid and where and aren't looking for places to live. You know what I mean? Like th- this is happening very quickly. So all focus, all the attention and all everything has to go again to getting both of I them. I think by the time we get to they're Sunday both night, we're going to know. Yeah. And they're both, but the players are going to know before that, but like, you know, so you have to convince them and get them and woo them. Now you can't be worried. You can't, you can't spend, first, you can't yes. get everything else later. You can't be spending three hours every day worrying about how, you know, what trade you're going to make to get a defenseman or something like that. Or, you know, it, you can move right. You can buy Ryan out. Like you said, later in the summer, there's a second buyout window. You can, Deal pisk in August. You can figure a lot of stuff out after the fact, but you need more five on five scoring. You need a top end goalie, and there's nobody else after Bobrovsky. He's it. You can get rid of that contract and expansion and a buyout after the lockout, just like last time they gave you two free buyouts uh, with no cap penalty. Something like that's going to come along. You're talking about the cap exploding with the new TV deal in a couple of years. They're going to be able to make it work. And the goalie they have to replace him is going to be on a cheap entry-level contract, Spencer Knight. So it's not going to be that big of a deal. And by the Hope- time the cap explodes, it's going to be a lot easier for the Panthers to get things and if, done. if Florida doesn't get Panarin and Bobrovsky, I guarantee you, you will have more things to worry about than if they do. If they do get them. Because if they don't get them, they're getting Varlamov and they're getting Duchesne or they're getting Everly or they're, and the, those aren't coming at, you know, a significant discount. They're coming, you know, Everly's going to cost you seven million cap hit. So then that, you know, 10 million to Panarin doesn't look too bad now. By the way, I should mention that Everly kind of resigned already. Uh, does Everly kind of resign? Yeah, Everly kind but, of you know, resigned an... already with the Islanders. All right. Well, you know, it's same same type of deal. Whether it's Everly, whether it's Duchesne, whether it's you know the second tier level of forwards or goalies, you know you're not you're not paying them an appropriate sliding scale down. That's still UFA crazy money, and the middle tier guys are the ones that get overpaid the most. Um, so you might as well just get the top tier ones when they're there, or do nothing. Uh, and and you know Florida can't afford to do nothing, so it's it's all in. And you know the next person tells me that Florida doesn't need Panarin, they can use the money elsewhere. No. I, I'm I want to I want to like no. pound their head into the no. wall because no. No. it's just the you know. Can I can I mention don't. one thing before we end this on Panarin and the podcast? You remember how much you loved Barkov, Huberto, and Yager, right? The line that cycled everyone to death and would hold the puck for three minutes and they couldn't touch it. Imagine turbocharging that with Panarin. Is yeah, there a imagine... better line in hockey than Huberto, Barkoff, and Panarin? No, there isn't. No, no. They're pro- they probably all hit 100 points next year. They, I mean, I, I, my, my, my thing, and this is the last thing before we end the show, we wonder, like, long... how could Barkoff and Huberto take their game up another level? Last year, they both did it. They both set franchise records in multiple areas, and it was amazing. Now you're wondering, okay, how do you take that up even a step further? You add Panarin to it. That's how you take it up a step further. Because that would be, a, again, historically good line. 
historically good. And it balances out the lineup. It means Vincent Trocek gets real wingers next year. It means there's more balance throughout the lineup. And as I said, can you really turn out an opportunity to have the best line in hockey? No, no. And hopefully, you know, hopefully they don't turn it down either. Well, Panarin and Bobrovsky. Hopefully we're celebrating Panarin and Bobrovsky yeah. as Panthers. I, I, As I said, my gut was for a while it was Bobrovsky and not Panarin. Now I'm starting to lean towards both. I think yeah. we're good. At, I it has, I mean, both. that's where, and it's a big, it's a big loss if Florida doesn't get both. And if Florida can't get even one of them, it's going to be, uh, it, bad. that might be, yeah, that might be the biggest missed opportunity. In yeah, franchise, as I said, I think it's at least Bobrovsky's coming, but beyond that, Panarin's cloudier. But I think the tea leaves are starting to suggest that it's going to be both. But we will see. Is there anything else you wanted to get to before we uh, ended this show? Because I don't think there is anything. We've given you enough podcast content, at least to last until uh, everyone signs. Yeah, for sure. Okay, very well, good. Thank you for listening. By the way, and uh, remember, thank you, Luongo. Yes, for all the years we appreciate it, please and you know, you, for uh, better or worse, we appreciate it. Please give uh, your next services to being Craig Mitterveni's sidekick, which will be very interesting. By the way, of course, we're just replacing him. Oh, oh, that would be. I don't know if he has you know pictures or something, but. Uh, well, do you know what? Or if he just really w- likes the free food. Yeah, well, you know what he like? Oh, you know where they set up? They set up in the Lexus Club. It's great. It's a he, great spot. He, uh, he's actually better in the Marlins games. I've caught him doing. Oh well, I'm not here to talk much about the Marlins because no one watches them on TV or at the games. Uh, how about we say again? Remember, you could listen to Matt O'Brien and Tommy's draft recap, two hours, eighteen minutes. We gave you some on this, but there's more Jeez. talk there. I know. Why? I had it. Yes, it, um, yes, it was. Yes, it was. And if you want a slightly less long podcast, a little bit less, an hour less, with me and Catherine Silverman on Spencer Night, you could go in and listen to that. We will have a show next week when all of the stuff is done, all the signings are made. Uh, until then, thank you, Roberto Luongo, and please, Sergey and Artemi, Russian amazingness in South Florida. Right. And- bark off, everyone. Let's go. And, and, you know, now that with Spencer Knight and possibly Bobrovsky and Luongo retiring, I wouldn't also be hating having a new goalie coach. I think that might be something to look forward to. Perhaps. Fitting that at the end of the podcast so people don't hear it and yell at me. I don't know who's going to be yelling at you. I, I know he's a somewhat of a folk hero around these parts. Uh, I, I have no idea. Maybe it's for that game when he almost had to play. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Probably that. It's it's that. Uh...